Hello and welcome to podcast 43 from Football Adania, your home of Dutch football. I'm Michael Statham and I'm with James Rowe and Michael Bell to discuss the latest news in Dutch football, including Euro 2020 draw for the Netherlands, Frank de Jong at a potential transfer to PSG, the Eredivisie, it's tighter race, the relegation battle, Ajax face Bayern Munich in the Champions League, the Netherlands women have their World Cup draw known and we answer any questions that you have regarding anything Dutch football. We hope you enjoy. We're available on YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes and Football Nation Radio in Australia. I think the first topic we should talk about this week, James and Mike, is um, Euro 2020. We now know who the Netherlands are going to, going to get in Group C um, and the top two will qualify going through to the Euro 2020 finals. And the Netherlands have been drawn with arch rivals Germany, who they've just recently had in the Nations League and uh, beat them at home and drew away, but also Northern Ireland, Estonia and Belarus. What do we make of the chances then of getting out of that group? I think the chances are, are very good. I think um, once, you know, the Germany name came out first, um, you know, it was, seemed a bit of an inevitability given the fact that Netherlands have had a couple of tough draws in the past few tournaments and uh, you know, you're looking at teams that they could have got from the other pots and you've got to say that it was quite generous after that. Um, I know Republic of Ireland were drawn out uh, but they couldn't get put into the draw because it would have been three host nations. I think that was a bit lucky. I think they're a bit better than what Northern Ireland are at the moment. Um, I know that they've had some good results over the past few years under Michael O'Neill but I think they're a, a nation that's struggling at the moment. I don't think they got a single point in the Nations League. I think um, other than that you'll get Estonia, Belarus, teams that Netherlands should be beaten home and away. Uh, I think it just comes down to really the crucial games will be home away against Germany than away against Northern Ireland. Um, if you beat Northern Ireland away you're guaranteeing yourself probably second place and then it's just between the home and away games in Germany and then Netherlands will go into those games with full of confidence because you know, we'd beat them at home 3-0 and then we drew away in the Nations League. I don't think Germany will be ever be that bad again. Um, I think they'll have improved by then, but I think Netherlands right now can give them a good game. I think they can be pleased with the draw. I think their undoing and failure to qualify for the last two major tournaments has been specifically away from home. And I think going to Tallinn and to Belfast and to Minsk, I think they're all uh, doable assignments and as Mike says they should have uh, great confidence to win both home and away but I think um, I think not just Belfast uh, the game against Northern Ireland I think away in Tallinn as well Estonia have their moments at home and uh, where they play, play, play well in patches but I think if they remain professional I think there's no reason why they can't qualify for their first major tournament since 2014 and um, yeah I think they can um, I think they can look uh, they can be pleased with how the draws panned out yeah, I'm, and on the whole, it's uh, with, with the whole more teams being able to qualify for Euro 2020, it does make it a little bit kinder on the Netherlands. Um, but we have, to, we have to take a step back and think, well, last time we said about how easy it was to qualify for, for the World Cup last time, not, well, not so much easy, but a comfortable draw. Um, could we see a bit of complacency from the Dutch again? They've been guilty of it in the past. Um, we know that there's a playoff backup option if they fail to qualify for the group stages is it likely to happen again you know these smaller teams will really want to be 
on their on their top form when they play Netherlands and Germany. So is there, is there a chance of a surprise where they don't qualify again? I think it's unlikely. I think, as we all know only too well, the the backdrop to how the failure to qualify for Euro 2016 in the World Cup in 2018 played out with the instability in terms of manager and uh, uncertainty at board level at, at, at Kainver Bay. That's not there now. And they've also got a manager who's, uh, who's improved the squad in such a short space of time, making them competitive again, again, where they've gone on to reach the final four of the Europa League. So there are signs of life. I think with the professionalism of uh, Koeman in particular and his determination, I've, I can't, I can't, I can't imagine we'll see complacency uh, this time round. I think it will be a, I think it will be a shock much more sizable than the previous two where they never qualified for them to miss a third um, major tournament in a row. I think it's highly unlikely, and I think the backup option as well of the of having the playoff, should it go awry in the qualification, they have the um, the backup option of a playoff at the very. At the very last knockings of that, so it's it would take um, it would take a hell of a huge um, a period of um, inst- uh, uh, bad results to to ensure they'd miss a, a third Europe major tournament in a row. Yeah, I agree um, with James. Uh, I think you look at the players' comments after the Nations League and even Kuman himself. Um, you know, he gets the comments like, "You've beaten France, you've beaten Germany. That's great, isn't it?" He's like. Well, that means nothing because we've not qualified for Euro 2020 yet. That has been his main goal this whole time. And even the players have been saying that the main goal is to get Euro 2020. I think that's their main focus. And um, yeah, I think the draws has been a bit kinder this time than in the recent years. You know, Sweden weren't an easy side. Um, you saw it at the World Cup, they did okay. The, you know, Northern Ireland aren't that, to that level. And then you've got Bulgaria away where everyone slipped up. That cost them crucially. Estonia and Belarus aren't to that level, so I think this draw gives Netherlands a great chance of reaching the tournament. And uh, I can't see them holding out for a playoff spot because it's likely that if they did get a playoff spot, the teams that they would face in that would be much harder than, say, Northern Ireland. On um, the topic of the Dutch national team then, um, I think this is a really great question that was sent in. Please, everyone, please keep sending in your questions each time we do a podcast. We do appreciate them. Ryan um, has put in this question. Is the national team too reliant on the presence of Frankie de Jong and Memphis Depay to succeed? I think it might appear that way at the minute, but I think Koeman will make sure that that's not the case going forward. Because you can't go in, you can't harbour aspirations to um, to qualify for a major tournament for the first time in, in six years, being over-reliant on two very young players. I think it appears that case. I think it appears that way at the moment because they're so, because they're so, because of both, the both of them are so much in form. I think Kuman will deliberately change things around going forward to make sure he's got options tactically and also in personnel so that they can make a positive impression in uh, at Euro 2020. I think that's what it's it's all being built to. And as Mike's alluded to in previous podcasts as well. They've still got to get their striker role sorted out because it may, there may be times in qualification games or even at tournament level or maybe even in the Nations League next summer where the lack of a killer instinct penalty box striker may well be their undoing. So I think I, could, I think Koeman will keep everybody sharp. I think, it's a, I think it's a great question, I agree, but I think it appears that way at the moment primarily due to how well both Depay and De Jong are playing really. 
I think you could say that Netherlands national team has definitely improved because of both of them. But I wouldn't say we were over-reliant on either of them. I think um, you'd see an impact if, say, Virgil van Dijk and Matthijs de Ligt were both injured for a game. Um, I think the, the quality in the squad would go down. I think there's just um, several good players in the squad now and I think that the inclusion of De Jong and the form of Memphis through the middle have just improved that. Um, but I think there's options from the bench. We saw it in the game against Germany away. You know, Tony Valhena came on, uh, Luke De Jong came on and both of them changed the game. So I wouldn't say that Koeman doesn't have options, but you know, it's great to have Memphis and Frankie De Jong because they're two outstanding players. Yeah, that's a good answer, Mike. And I think actually if you look at any good team in the world, if you take away their best one, two, three, four players, of course they're going to be worse off for it. Um, and I like the answer too about how actually they're adding to the quality. I think if Frank de Jong was injured, the national team wouldn't suffer from that. But like, actually, I would I would argue that if, should Memphis Depay be injured, then there would be a few issues in the attack. And it's I, I, I disagree with you, James. I think Depay is crucial to play in that forward role um, as a striker. It really suits the system because he, he starts off all of his attacking moves. And I don't think anyone has that same mobility, but also the same killer instinct in the box as Depay. Um, there isn't a Dutch striker at the moment that can offer that quality in terms of build-up and finishing that Memphis does. So um, a question came in from City Till I Die and he asks, do you think Frankie de Jong to Manchester City will happen? Because there's been a lot of talk at the moment about should, is PSG going to be de Jong's destination? It won't be in January, we know that for sure, he's confirmed that. But in the summer, is he looking for a move? Is he going to stay for another year? He's said that even he doesn't know yet, but there has been a lot of rumours this week, strong rumours from reliable sources suggesting that a 75 million euro move to PSG is on its way. Um, but yeah, this question came in from, from City Till I Die. Will, will, will it happen that he actually goes to Man City? Could he go to Barcelona instead? I'll be amazed if he goes to City. Um, I think, I've said it before on a couple of pods as well, not just De Jong, but also De Ligt. I think they're really going to surprise us with their eventual choice. Because they're not just two, or in the case of De Jong, he's, he's a tremendous talent. You know, he's he's come, he's come on leaps and bounds. I mean, you got to remember as well. It's only three years ago since he signed for Ajax from the Villanthay, uh, from Villanthay, and he's made tremendous uh, strides in such a short space of time. And to have such a presence on the pitch at such a young age is is very impressive. But I think he knows himself that he he needs to go somewhere where he's going to play every single game. There is there is no point in him leaving Ajax to go and sit on a bench, play Champions League dead rubbers, play 15 minutes here, play 15 minutes there. He needs to, to further his development to improve even more, he's got to choose a team where he's going to a stronger league, where he's going to play every single game. And, and that may appear to be quite difficult, but I think... I think he's going to be quite shrewd with his choice. Um, I've, I think the rumours this week, the way they've taken off, it, you know, it just goes to show that people reporting in the, in this industry, you know, you've you've really got to know what you're talking about. You've really got to say what it's all about. As someone who interviews professional players and managers on a regular basis the last two and a half years, I wouldn't dare deal in hearsay. All my quotes from the interviews, past and present all bang on the money otherwise I wouldn't have them published but naturally in, a, in an industry like journalism where people want to get the rubber to green and they want to be known for breaking the news first I think that's overtaking a little bit 
But I think um, I don't think De Jong will go to City. I'm unsure about the Paris Saint-Germain link because I wonder if he's going to play. But not just not just the regular playing time at Paris Saint-Germain. You look at the lead that Paris Saint-Germain have got already in Ligue 1. Is that really going to be conducive to Frankie De Jong's development? I'm not so sure. If I was him, it's just, just my opinion, if I was him I'd entertain um, overtures from Bayern Munich or going to Spain and starting off at a, maybe a Sevilla, like Lenglet, Lenglet at Sevilla, was a tremendous defender Barcelona brought in from Sevilla. There's no reason why De Jong can't follow the same path, going from one, going to the arguably the strongest league in the world, playing home and away games on a regular basis and improving. But um, I think the question, I, I, I'd be amazed if he went to Manchester City, in all honesty. For me, I think... Um... No, there isn't smoke without fire, and I think the Telegraph haven't just gone with hearsay for this story. I think there's definitely some credibility behind it. There's definitely a meeting in Amsterdam between the PSG officials and Overmars. None of them are denying that, you know, it, these talks are taking place and they're not seeing the moves close. It's De Jong says nothing's finalised yet, and I think that, you know, for me, I'd be surprised now if he didn't go to PSG. Um, I think just a news story that's broke out, I think that it looks certain I think that Manchester City have pulled out whether that's because of you know the stuff going on with the financial fair play issues that they've got we'll see what happens if say they get cleared of all charges and then maybe they could make a late move you know 75 million is nothing for them uh, it's nothing for PSG but I just wonder with say a club like Barcelona are they more are they more interested in getting the delict than De Jong you know both of them are very expensive players if De Jong's going to go for 75 million, you know, Delic's going to go for about 60, 65. And it looks like Barcelona are more interested right now in Delict. I think, in terms of PSG being a good club for, for De Jong, I think it is. I think they're not paying 75 million for a bench player. Um, you know, Rabio is going to go in the summer. I think that De Jong will slot straight into their midfield. He's playing with world class players. You know, you got to think of Frankie De Jong, his passing range. You know, what's he going to do with Mbappe? You know, them two could form a real click and that could be you know the difference between PSG being a great side and one that challenges for something like a Champions League title and um, I think he'll slot into that midfield I think he's going to be playing under a great manager in Thomas Tuchel and I think he will improve um, in the French League even though you know some call it a Farmers League but you got to look at the Champions League this year you know Leon gave Manchester City two great games and um, PSG are doing well I think that you know, the, the people that call the French League a, a smaller league are people from England who think the Premier League is the best league in the world. And they'd probably say the same against about the Bundesliga as well. Um, but that's ignorance a lot of the time, Mike. That, that ignorance, that, it's just pure ignorance at the end, at the end of the day. From, from my point of view as well, I'm not, I'm not disagreeing the fact to play alongside the likes of Mbappe and, and the, the great players that Paris Saint-Germain have. But the dominance of Paris Saint-Germain, that's not going to continue forever, ever in a day. That will come to, uh, that will come to a head, not, not soon. When I, mean, when I say sooner rather than later, I'm not talking about next season. But, you know, it, wasn't in the, it was in the early 2000s where I think Lyon won seven league titles in a row. And everyone said, oh, that's that, Lyon forever in a day. But things can change very quickly in football. And I think given the, the commanding lead that Paris Saint-Germain already have, you know where 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 they they not they don't struggle at Champions League level, but the lack of competitivity they have at, at domestic level sometimes can stunt them at European level. 
and I think it will be I think it will be a, a shame for 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 the young to have to not put up with that, but to for example, if he was to go to La Liga, for example, you'd get tested week in, week out, and I think that would help his development more than than Liga. But that's just my personal opinion. There are loads of variables to consider in this whole transfer, um, and I personally, uh, I'm in favour of him moving to PSG because I don't, I think he would actually get minutes. I think playing with all of these quality forwards is going to develop him as a player. I agree with Mike in that respect. I also agree with James that you don't want to be going to a Man City or a Barcelona as you probably won't get minutes on the pitch. But PSG, I think, will be looking for that kind of midfield player that they can take a risk and play him in the league because they are that much better than the rest of the teams in the league. So it's not really a risk for to them play De Jong. You have to consider how, how much of a quality player he is as well. He would not be able to place in that side. Um, and also, yeah, the competitiveness of League 1. Uh, the league could change, as, as you said, James. It could well change that in two or three years' time, it, they could have a different complexion. There could be challenges to PSG. Um, but already he's playing in a league where the, the, there's teams better than the others, and the league is a step up from that. And you do have better better teams to play against. Is he just going for the Champions League, though? You could argue that maybe he is, but I think he'll be looking to play with the likes of Mbappe and Neymar. There's a reason why Neymar's gone. It is because of the money, but also... They have the Champions League and that competitiveness. They win every season. They have Neymar is a player that can be treasured and, and praised and he can be loved in that team. Same for De Jong. He will be made into a very good player in that in that eleven. And then if it goes well with him two or three years down the line, he may get an even bigger transfer to one of the absolute best teams in Europe. Yeah, I agree with that. I think a couple of years at PSG... I think Barcelona will still be circling him. I think, uh, you know, like the likes of Real Madrid in a couple of years' time, if Frank de Jong develops the way we all think he is, then he's going to be a, a Galactico in Real Madrid's eyes. Um, you know, the big clubs aren't going to go away if he goes to PSG. And he's still only 21. He's still got his whole career ahead of him. And I think uh, PSG is a good, a good move for now. And then we'll see the, if the Barcelona Man Cities and Real Madrid's come in in three or four years' time. Well, talking about all of these rumours then, um, we had a question from Ajax Armati and he wants to know um, if all of these rumours surrounding these young Ajax players is creating a pressure not only on the players themselves, but on the management side of Ajax. Oh, I, don't, I don't think so. Uh, you know, I, I think if you look, the, the, the proof is in the pudding, you know, the, into the last 16 of the of the Champions League, they'll, they'll, give, they'll give any of the opponents in the last 16 a game. They're not out for the count for a place in the in the quarterfinals, I think that's perfectly feasible. I think specifically at home, it will be a real cauldron. And also as well, they're they're trying to hunt down PSV. And I mean, me and Mike disagree on this, but I think Ajax will catch him. And um, I think everybody's buying into the ethos of Ten Hag. I think he's done very well in all this. You know, he was uh, there was times last season when I remember being at uh, the. Um, Ajax had a Den Haag match when it was 0-0 and there was chance of, you know, this is this is terrible, we can't have this. And then fast forward uh, a season, you know, onto the, into the last 16 of the Champions League whilst being in a very difficult group. Um, no, I think everybody's content, everybody's happy and I think the the best is yet to come. The only, the only pressure I think is coming from board level where ideally they want Ajax to, to, win, to win something of note this season, primarily the Eredivisie. But I think, you know, four years without a title, this is, um, I think the pressure's coming from board level a little bit, perhaps, in terms of winning an actual trophy. Yeah, I think you saw last summer, Hakim Ziyech was linked heavily with a move that fell through. You know, he's not 
he's dealt with it excellently. He's he's playing his, his best. You know, Delict's been linked to Cubs for years. Uh, he's still great. And then if you look at Frankie De Jong this week, you could have said that he might have had an, an off game against Pex Vola if he if his head was turned. But arguably, he had his one of his best games this season. And then afterwards, he says, "Yeah, I thought all eyes of the Europe were on me, so I, I felt I had to perform." And he did, and he was probably the best player on the pitch for Ajax. Um, so I don't think it's affected him at all. I think if anything, it's spurring them on. Yeah, I think so. I think it's doing totally the opposite, and it's spurring them on. You play for teams like Ajax to get that move above, don't you? You really try to kick on your career, and that pressure is a good thing for them. They they love it, and um, that's why they're again a club like Ajax because of all of the pressure you get from supporters to win every single match and by a good margin as well. And speaking of transfer rumours, Jordan would like to know if there are any Eredivisie January transfer windows with any substance. And um, just as far as I know, um, I've only heard of outgoings rather than incomings, um, especially the top three clubs. But I wonder if you guys have heard anything. The only one of note that I can uh, that I can divulge is the rumours gaining momentum that FC Utrecht are looking at, uh, at Franz Sol uh, as, a, as a striker. Uh, apart from that, I haven't heard. I haven't heard too much. I think um, I think rumours and, and 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 links will gain momentum in the next couple of weeks. Just about just as the transfer window is about to about to open. But um, yeah, I think it'd be interesting. But I, I don't know. I don't know about you guys, but I've never been a fan of uh, the January transfer window. I, I think for me, it it serves only the purpose of 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 players that are wanting to get a loan move that are not that are not involved in, in first team squads in a particular season and um, yeah I, I, I'm not a huge fan of the window to be honest and um, yeah I hope, I hope January comes and goes very quickly yeah it's, it's going to be a strange one this year I don't think you got to wonder what sort of players are going to go in January I think Ajax players will all want to stay um, because you know the women champions league knockout runs you know, I don't think there's anyone at PSV that's really going to go I think Stephen Bergvine is at the top of his game right now, um, but I think he's more likely a summer move. The only club I really look at is, you know, Feyenoord. Um, it's about time that Tony Vilhena decides that if he wants to to go somewhere else, you know, he was linked to uh, England this week, I think Tottenham. Um, you know, I think he's a player that can only improve by finally going abroad. I think he's done as much as he can really at Feyenoord. I think he needs to make the next step. And then there's somebody like you know, Nikolai Jorgensen, is there going to be like a another Premier League middle club that's going to panic and try and pay you know, 20 million for this forward. The same could happen with France all. Um, a club could panic and pay over the odds for these players. Um, we just need to wait and see. There's nothing really concrete at the moment, but I think uh, towards the end of the month, we're going to see a lot more. Most of it will be a load of rubbish because, you know, players will be leaving in the summer, not in January, but there will be a couple of players that might might go. And I think uh, Firenord will be the team to watch. Yeah, it's quite a typical um, affair in, in the Netherlands that teams don't really make transfer moves in January as they like to plan in the summer for the whole season. Uh, I guess they're more prudent than teams across the across the the um, the sea. Uh, but it, from rumours that I've heard, um, PSV looking to shift Isimat Mira, um, Behic might be going back to Turkey, um, and Bart Ramsela might get a move. And I suspect that he probably would take a transfer or a loan move to another Dutch club rather than move abroad. But we'll see on that one. He needs one because you know when 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 he signed from Utrecht, it was a PSV got him for an absolute steal. 
it was like it was you know it's like sold him for far far too little money and he's you know he's he's been capped he's been capped by his country he played against uh, he played in a friendly game against against Belgium back in in Amsterdam and there's definitely potential potential specifically with Alamzala and I hope that he he chooses wisely I think I agree with you Michael we would favour staying in the Netherlands rather than going abroad because he's he needs to get back into playing. Uh, to to gain time, he needs to get back to playing uh, regularly because when he does hit form and when he's when when he's content, he can he can really do a job. And I I just think he's lost an awful lot of confidence very quickly as well. So I think um, be interesting to see who he uh, who he chooses should he, should he get his move. But I think it's a a move that's definitely needed for him. Yeah, I agree. Um, Ramslar's a good player on his day, but he's really lost his way. Yeah, he's lost an awful lot of confidence. I wonder if we'll see um, any any clubs make moves for young players in preparation for next season. You do tend to see that if a if a club's going to be losing one of their best players, they do tend to pick up a young player at this point in time to prepare them for the next season. So that's another thing to look out for. But apart from that, I suspect to be quite a, a quiet January transfer window, including for the teams that are down the bottom of the Eredivisie. They all tend to stick with what they've got. Maybe pick up a few loan players from the bigger clubs. But as it stands, we're nearly halfway and. There are really some clubs struggling down the bottom of the the, the, um, the Dutch league. We have Nat Breda sitting at bottom of the table. De Graaf Sapa down there. Groningen are still down there after a poor start. They picked some points now. Peck Zwolle, after doing so well last season, um, as well as Emmen, Excelsior, Ardo. And then I guess the rest looking up probably will be safe coming towards the end of the season. But I wanted to get, um, Mike, James, your thoughts on who you think will be in the most danger in the coming months. Ooh, um, I uh, I hope I'm wrong, but I think the Um I I think Emin are not out of it yet, and since the appointment of Danny Bowes, I've never been complete completely um, convinced about um, um, Groningen. To be honest, um, as we know, things can change very very quickly. I think Excelsior, given the experience that Poldervart had has done a very good job really because he was written off before he started and he's currently sitting in 13th position. As we know, normally relegation goes to the wire and if I look at the table now, I would say up to and including maybe Willem's Fay in 11th, I think any of those teams could be could be in danger. I think Fortuna Sittard have had a tremendous start to this season. You know, to, to be 10th after 15 games is, is, is fantastic. And um, although Venlo have lost their last two games, I can't see them going on a on a terrible run that they had last season, where they they only just about stayed up. Um, you know, in terms of uh, loss of form, but uh, I think the three that I would say will be in the uh, in the mix come the end will be De Graafschap, Groningen, and and Emmen. I think. Well, for me, uh, the big one with Mr. Bomb at the table, Nak Breda. I think they look pretty hopeless at the moment. Um. I don't know really how they're going to change things, really. Uh, just their whole squad, I think, looks weak at this level. They're already six points off um, 16th place. You know, are they really going to get three, four, five wins um, after the, the winter break to really get them safe? I don't see it, I think. Pigsville and Groningen, they've both got talented, enough talent to see them climb up, especially Groningen, you have Ritsu Doan, who's an exceptional player in my eyes. I think he'll be a much bigger club next year. I think they've got enough 
the Moon Mai is coming into form again. I think they'll eventually steer themselves away, and I think they'll be closer to the the top ten. But for me, the the bottom two, I think, will stay what they are now. Uh, Nak Breda and the Grafschap, I think they'll they'll be the bottom two, and then I think Emin or Excelsior, I think either of them two will get sucked into the last playoff spot. I'm in agreement with um, you on this one, Mike. I think Nat Bredo are in big trouble, but they probably will just about survive bottom spot, as I think to half up will eventually slip to that position. Um, really poor defensively, and just playing five at the back isn't really helping them in the attacking sense either. Um, so I'm not sure they'll have enough there. And as for the third position, I think that'll be open to a whole host of clubs, which you've already mentioned. Kronigan, for me, will be very safe. I think um, Doan and Mahi will bring the goals. Um, Pexwala, as you said, might have plenty of talent. I think you're looking at either Emin, um, who simply because of the, the quality in their squad, a, a good team that will fight to the end, I'm sure, and Excelsior, who are just conceding far too many goals. They've conceded 40 goals this season, and that's more than any other side in the Eredivisie at the moment. Uh, so I think it's either looking between Emin or Excelsior for that final relegation position, but it's very early in the season. We won't know what's ha- going to happen, um, and that's just my prediction. I think I think it will go to the final day. I'd be surprised if it didn't. And you know, it could even go down. It could even come down to goal difference. I mean, we know we know ourselves how quickly things can change. And uh, you know, about even even managerial changes. I mean, they could come afoot if if clubs feel the need to make a change. There could be a, a masterstroke uh, done by one of the clubs, which sees them rise out of the relegation zone. So an awful awful lot can change. But uh, I would say at the moment, I think. Uh, I think the Graafschap, um, Groningen and Emmen are the three that I would say are, are looking to be in trouble. OK, well, we should talk um, briefly about the Ajax v Bayern Munich game coming up in the Champions League. Ajax will be the only Dutch side left in European competition after Christmas. Better than last season when we had no one. Um, so let, let, let's, let's hope then that they could perhaps get to the knockout stages and and kick on. But they've already qualified and this final game at home to Bayern Munich could see them, if they win, pip them to top spots. Predictions for the game? For me, I think, I'm wondering how, I've not seen any announcement yet, but I'm wondering how bad the injury for Andre Onana was. He came off the pitch. I think if he's missing, then for me, Bayern become become favourites. But if they have him back um, and goal, I think it'll be a tight game. I think uh, you saw it in, in Germany. I actually did really well to, to get a draw. I think they're going to this game full of confidence. But you're missing Dolberg. You're missing possibly Onana, maybe Donny van de Beek and maybe Hakim Ziyech. I mean, that's, that's four players that would be probably starting the game um, if Ten Hag had his full squad. So I'm just waiting to see how badly affected is your injuries, but I expect it to be a close game. Um, Ajax have done themselves tremendously proud so far in the, the Champions League. They've, they've reached the knockout stages and the, the top spot will just be a bonus at this stage. And uh, Yeah, I'm, I'm hopeful. Um, I think it'll be a tight game, but if those players are injured, I'm going to go for like a 2-1 Bayern win. I think it'll be a draw. Uh, my prediction is 2-2. Um, I, having, I was at the Ajax Benfica match back in October. And the fans, they've been an absolute credit to themselves for, for, for all home games, but specifically in Europe this year. Even the game against Sturm Graz, you know, it was, it was, uh, it was a real raucous, raucous atmosphere even in the qualifiers. And I think, um, 
I think the fans will play a big role. You know, they're making um, Young Calafalena a fortress for any European side. And I think that I think that the fans will really get behind them. And, and I think the Ajax will give Bayern a go. And I don't think Bayern will be too fussed about, you know, the, the going all out to win the game. Hence why I think it's going to be a draw. And then Ajax go through second. But... Um, yeah, I think it should be uh, should be a tie where I I shouldn't fear Bayern. I mean, they were written off uh, in uh, in Munich, and and when I stated that it would be a draw in Munich, everyone said, "Oh, you, you're mad!" But you know, it, what happened? It was a draw, and I I think Mike Mike made a great point earlier on in in this pod about specifically Premier League fans and the ignorance as regards to other leagues and everything. Europe is completely different. You know, Europe is is, is tactically is different. The whole atmosphere is different. You know, the the small small little nuances, and and I think some people can fail to see that at times. I think Ajax being at home, I think it will be like the last hurrah from the fans for um for how well they've done in this European campaign, specifically in this group stage. And my prediction is a two-two draw. I think it will be a close game, and it just purely depends on how Bayern Munich see the game how much effort they want to put into it to, to claim that top spot themselves. But when you look at the teams that are currently sitting second in their respective groups, you would hope that Ajax finish top of this group to meet these sides, such as um, Tottenham at the moment. You might be looking at a Schalke, um, a Lyon or Roma, rather than playing Juventus, Real Madrid, Manchester City or a Barcelona, for example. So it's quite a big deal to try and qualify top of this group. Uh, M- Michael, I would say as well that at the end of the day, that doesn't really matter, does it? I mean, if you want, if you harbour ambitions to win, to to go to make progress in such a competition, and you've got to remember, remember as well, when the draw is made on the seventeenth of December, these matches are being played in February. That's an awful lot of time in between, and I believe personally, you can't plan a route, especially in the Champions League or a Europa League. I think regardless of who they play, should Ajax finish second, they should fear nobody in the last six. Well, they won't. They shouldn't fear anybody. I mean, obviously, you've got Juventus and Atletico Madrid and those types of teams that have got that real killer instinct. But specifically at home in Amsterdam in the last 16, they will give anybody a game. I, I disagree. I think you have to look a bit more prudently in terms that Ajax are not going to reach a final of this competition. And, and I think if they have harbouring hopes of trying to reach the quarterfinals, for example, which is a huge deal in terms of fin- finance and in terms of coefficient points of the country, in terms of Ajax's um, reputation, in terms of Ajax's coefficient points, I think reaching the quarterfinals it just itself is already a huge, huge achievement for the club. And I think they would rather face a Lyon than a Manchester City. But who's to say Lyon won't put them out? You, as I say, you can't pl- you you can't plan these types of games. Uh, you know these games are two-legged ties. It's 180 minutes, and when the draw is made, people will have assumptions of oh, we'll have them. Oh, that'll be all right. That'll be fine. And then when you come to the game in February, you've got maybe a managerial change. You've got a January transfer window behind you. You've got a club in form, for example. And for me, they just have to take who they have to just take who they get. And, and take it from there. I, I firmly disagree about plotting your way through because when you try to do those things, it will come back to, to bite you in the bum most of the time, to be honest. Okay, we'll have to agree to disagree on that one. We must move on um, and we, we must talk about the Women's World Cup draw. Really exciting news um, that this summer the 11s have been drawn in a group 
along with New Zealand, Cameroon and Canada for the competition that happens in France between June and July. Uh, what do we make of the draw um, for the women's side and do they have a realistic chance of reaching uh, far into this competition or potentially even winning it, bearing in mind they already won the Euro competition previously? I think they can take great heart from the fact they're reigning European uh, Euro 2017 um, title holders and they should go into this tournament full of confidence. I think it's a good draw. I think there's already rumblings about who they could face in the um, in the in in the latter stages, maybe England. But there's there's so much quality in that squad. There's a real togetherness in that squad. You know, this is a this having interviewed many of the winners of Euro 2017, which listeners can uh, can go back and check on Football Annual with the likes of Daniel van der Donk and Jackie Hoonen and Shalida Spitzer, among others. They're all so proud of what they achieved and it was such, there was such togetherness that they were always looking to take the next step and, and make a play to become world champions. It's a goal they've had for a long time. There's a, there's a settled side there, there's a settled setup, and I see no reason why they can't give it a really good goal. And um, I think they must be among the favourites to win the competition. Yeah, I agree. I think looking at the draw, it could have been much tougher. It could have been very much harder. Um, Canada probably the best side in it, like rankings wise, they're fifth in the world. But then you look at Netherlands squad and you know who they've got. You know, it's full of talent. It's the reigning European champions. They were a bit shocked that they didn't automatically qualify. They had to go for the playoffs, but they eased through the playoffs. Um, you know, I think they're one of the best sides, and I don't think they should fear anyone in this group. And then we'll see what happens in the the knockout rounds. Um, I think it's gonna be a great summer with you know Netherlands men in the, the Nations League and then the Netherlands women at the World Cup and uh, who knows Netherlands women could be the first Dutch side to, to bring home the World Cup and it's all hope for that. That will be a fantastic summer um, and I, when I spoke to Danny Kirkdijk, um, a Dutch women defender based at Bristol City women, um, she was really confident of winning this competition having won the Euros. She said yeah of course we can and you know if the squad have that confidence and that's great. And I think that the style of football they play, it's the traditional Dutch way. And I think that really helps them in, in, in playing other sides. I think that the style really helps how they play and it does beat a lot of teams. Um, so it'll be really exciting to see. And we look forward to um, the fixtures in, in early June. As I say, I think they've got a tremendous chance. And also as well, you know, that having spoke to quite a fair few, few players that, that were part of that victorious Euro 27 inside, they're all so amazed about what they achieved together. And it was, uh, it was providing a base to go and do something like this. And for me, it's no surprise at all to hear them say, and like you just said about Gellig Day as well, you know, about the, the expectation and the want to win it. For me, that, that's, that's only a good thing. You've got to enter these tournaments with, with belief. They've already proved they can win at, the, at an extremely high level. And, and for, for, for the majority of them, this is the next step, which they've been uh, preparing for for quite some time. All right. Um, now we've got a couple of questions just to end this week's podcast. And the first one comes from Alan, and he says, have you guys see, been seeing Anwar Elgazi's emergence in recent games at Aston Villa? Is there any ch chance of a call-up for the Netherlands if his form persists? Um, I hope that's okay if I can answer this question first of all. Being a Villa fan, I've been watching him play. Of course, of course, of course. you're the expert. 
<laughs> Got to be the expert on this one. Um, yeah, he hasn't been playing a lot at Aston Villa, El Ghazi. He's only really just come into the fold now. Um, I suppose when we first signed him in, in August, September, he was getting a few games and he had a, an amazing start. But since then, he fell out of the, the, the team entirely under Steve Bruce. Um, the new manager's come in. And I think his new training regimes has helped bring El Ghazi back into the fold. It did take a while. He was on the bench for quite a few games. But since he started to get that chance, he seized it with both hands. And my God, his performance against West Brom, man of the match and by far away the best player on the pitch. Um, and if he can keep that up, then he's too good for the championship. Two goals, um, full of skills. You could just see that he's a massive confidence player. And when he's happy, then he will perform. Um, as for the Dutch national team, not at the moment. I think he's still far from it. Uh, but let's see how his season goes with Aston Villa. If he can get promotion with them, then I think he'll have a good chance of getting a bigger move or maybe a permanent deal with Aston Villa. And then that's kind of see how it goes from there. But it was just nice to see El Ghazi reliving some of that form that, um, that he had with Ajax that got him um, a call-up to the Dutch national team a, a few years ago. And if they say got El Ghazi's back, then that's just another addition to the wings of the Dutch national team. Yeah, it's good to see that you know, he was around a time where there was a lot of excitement around some of the Dutch talents, you know, kind of parallel to what there is now. You know, there was El Ghazi, there was Kishna, there was Bazura in midfield. And I think all three of them have sort of disappeared from prominence. Um, and it's good to see one of them finally rediscovering some of their form. And hopefully, you know, once Bazura sorts himself out at Porto and maybe he can get some game time, he can come back and then we'll see what Ricardo Kitchener can do when he returns from injury at Ado Den Haag. Yeah, it was like a lost generation, that bunch of Ajax players that, that come, came through and were really exciting. Um, but I think a mixture of attitude and actually the lack of quality in, in the Dutch top division at the time might, might explain why they look so good. Um, a mixture of those two things, perhaps. Especially with El Ghazi. As, um, I, he's a very good player, but at the time, he looked like a world-beater in the Ajax team. And really, I didn't think he was all that world-class. I think he's very much a confidence player. And I think it's good to see him playing well for such a big club. Because Aston Villa are a very big club. I think in regards to Dutch national team, I agree with you, Michael. I think if he was to get promotion with Aston Villa or any in, in any case show that he's playing well at the in the top flight of a specific league, whether that be um, England or, or France, for example. Remember, he, he had a spell at Lille. I think if he if he continues to if he ends up playing well in the top flight of a specific league, I think Koeman would look at him and maybe invite him in for a squad. Should he continue to play really well to give another option? But um, I think at the level he's in at the moment, I think it would be highly unlikely that Koeman would uh, would look to uh, to pluck players from that particular level. Yeah, even if he was playing well, I think Koeman would probably have to look at the likes of Huddersfield's um, Raji van der Parra first. And I don't think he's good enough for the Dutch national team. So you can see that the players he probably would want to look at first before he'd look at El Ghazi purely because of the level he's playing at. Um, he can look great because of the teams he's playing against. Um, I think the final question that we've had this week was from Jordan. Um, he's already asked one this podcast. And he's, he's he asks, um, Sparta Rotterdam winning 6-1 the other day. Um, do we fancy them for promotion um, because of how well they're doing in the Erster Divisie? They have a tremendous chance. Um, but I think go-ahead Eagles are going to pip them. Um, I think with uh, John Stegerman 
and uh, the settled squad that um, go ahead go ahead Eagles have got. You know, with the likes of Paco Van Morsel, who also has experience at Eredivisie level. A lot of people criticise Stegerman for for stepping down from the Eredivisie to the first division. And he said, no, he said, I used to play for Go Ahead Eagles. I, I love this club and to be to have an opportunity to be manager of this club is it, tremendous. And uh, I think his experience, because Heliclis had their moments under him in the Eredivisie. And I, I, I just think that, um, I think Go Ahead Eagles will eventually pip him. But I think you have to credit Henk Fraser as well for coming back um, after a, a difficult period at Vitesse, you know, where he was, he was, he was written off. You know, naturally, you know, you has having success with um, Vitesse with winning the Dutch Cup as well, and then having a a difficult period afterwards. But I, I think he's he's done really well to come back. I mean, it, this is the oldest club in the Netherlands. Everybody loves Sparta Rotterdam here. You know, everyone's got respect for Sparta Rotterdam. When when they get promoted, it's always always a a good feeling. I think they'll be well in the mix right to the end it's just my personal opinion that go ahead Eagles will pip them to the uh, pip them to the post for me I think you know you look at this Spider Rotterdam squad it's a mixture of Eredivisie players and some great youth talents um, they're a great side to watch because you know it's like the second coming of Royce and Drenthe he's been he's been excellent this season so far in Spider it's great to see him um, doing well at a club finally after years of Disappointment. Uh, you know, got Lars Veldwick up front, and a couple of really, really strong youngsters coming through. I think it's it's a squad that's built for the Eredivisie, and uh, I think it will go up. But you know, this year is meant to be you know the toughest Eredivisie season of all. You've got the big teams down there, NSA twenty. I think it's great just to see that Den Bosch are topping it at the moment. You know, one point ahead of you know Sparta and Go Ahead Eagles, and I think it, they're a club that you know usually does. You know, mid table to the bottom half and uh, you never know it could be a surprising year you know Fortuna Sittard came up last year and this year might be Denbosch that surprises everyone um, yeah I think we just want to see Sparta Rostam promoted just so we get to see more of Royston Drenta playing in the Eredivisie um, we'd love to see him back on the big stage um, and I think on that note I think it's time to end our podcast so Mike, James thank you very much for this podcast thank you no problem. You're more than welcome anytime.